Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I just want to get right, right into the word. Um, last last week uh, we were praying. Uh, we were praying. We were we were sharing. Regal was sharing, and this is a three part series that we started, and it's it's uh it's about the gift. Okay, the gift exchange. And last week uh, Regal was sharing on gold, and he was sharing on how that gold represented kingship. Okay, and it, and Gold represented how his, he's going to reign, okay, when he comes. And he's going to reign forever in eternity. And basically the, the, the message, if we want to sum it up with, with, with a couple words, it's the idea that, that his gold, or I'm sorry, that, that his gold becomes our gold. Amen? We shared the, the uh, verses on the, the Magi, what we know as the three kings, right? But like Regal said, we don't know how many mag, Magi, Magi, I don't know how to say it. We really don't know how many there were, okay? People say three because there's three gifts. But uh, the first one, well, not the first gift, but one of the gifts they gave was gold. It was gold. And each one of these gifts represented something in our, represents something in our lives and represents something um, in general. And so gold was that kingship that he represents in our lives. And, um, and how when we gave that gold, it was actually him. It was a symbol of him giving his gold for our gold. And, uh, and that was the first message that, that Regal shared. And he, he also started speaking about um, Isaiah's prophecy, uh, how Isaiah prophesied his future kingdom. And that's where I want to start off today. Today I want to talk about frankincense which was the other, the second one out of three, if, I guess if you can say, uh, of the gifts that were given by the Magi. And I want to start us off in Isaiah 9 and 6. And I, I want us to go there. Isaiah 9 and 6. Um, if you guys are flipping pages, I'll give you a moment. God, I feel the presence of God here in such a beautiful way. Can we get a little bit more of the lights on? I like light. <laughs> you guys like to be in the light? I like to be in the light. No, <laughs> I like light. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. Um, it says, for, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And verse 7, it says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. You know, um, Regal was talking about the government of God and, and his kingship. And, and this goes perfectly into the idea of frankincense. Because when we're... When we're reading these verses, uh, just so you know, and just to take, get this out of the way, frankincense actually represents priesthood, okay? 
And I'm going to give you some ideas that you can, if for those of you who are taking notes, you can write this down, you can um, take note of it so that as we reference it later, you're going to see how this all falls into place and how perfect God is. Um, frankincense represents priesthood. It represents righteousness. And the other thing that frankincense represents is an aroma that was pleasing to God. Back in the times of the Old Testament, uh, the, some of the religious practices, okay, the, the offerings that they gave up to God, one of those big elements was frankincense. And it was because God chose it for whatever reason. God chose that element to be something that they offered up to God as a pleasing aroma to him. So it became representative to us now. As we're going to get into this message, you're going to see what it represented and how deep it went, how far that actually went in, into where we are now and what God's doing in our lives and his purpose. So in 9.6, the verse says that the government will be upon his shoulders. And then it talks about his kingdom and how he's going to rule it in righteousness, right, which is what frankincense represents. You see, the, the, the government that he's talking about is something that represents all of us. Because when we come to the Lord, he, he calls us royal, a royal priesthood. And that is going to be part of his government. So if we're priests in his government, then Isaiah 9.6 is actually talking about us. Because it's saying that his government will be upon his shoulders. Who's his government? We're going to be part of that government. We're going to be that government, and as a result, we are the ones that are going to be resting upon Jesus' shoulders. I mean, it's something that we should currently be doing already. As, being, as, as priests of God, as he's called us priests of God, we should be resting upon his shoulders already. And if it's his government, that means he's taken over. So as you rest on his shoulders, he's guiding you. He's directing you. He's governing you. Amen? When we go to Revelations 1.6, and I'll turn there. You guys can turn your Bibles there. These are relevant verses that I'm establishing because I want you guys to see just some points that come together. It's, it's amazing how you go to the Old Testament and then you come to the New Testament. And the revelations that God gives and how it all comes together, you, it, it's crazy because we're talking about hundreds of years apart. Okay, we're talking about a whole long time passed by before one person had a revelation of something else that was said hundreds of years ago. And in, Re in Revelations 1.6, let's go there real quick. It says, to, okay, I'm going to go right before that. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests. To serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Right there, the Revelations is saying that he's called us and he's made us to be his kingdom. We go back to, we go back to Isaiah. His kingdom and priests. So God has called us not just to be a priest, a royal priesthood, but, but to be part of his kingdom. And it brings us back to gold. Because he came here with kingship. He came, he came here to reign forever. And that kingdom that he established, now we can become a part of as priests of God. He upholds his kingdom with justice and righteousness. Frankincense, righteousness. 
and he rests it upon his shoulders. What is it to be a priest? What does it mean to be a priest? If we're called to be priests of God, well, think about the Old Testament priests. Old Testament priests, what was the first thing they did? The first thing they did was they served the Lord. They were consecrated to God. So when we come to the Lord, we're consecrated to, to serve God, to worship God, to give ourselves to God completely. And then what's the second thing that we were called to do as priests? The second thing that, that priests did in the Old Testament, Old Testament was they served the people. So they mediated with the people. They were there to bring the offerings of the people, to bring propitiation for those sins that they were, that they were holding. So as royal priests, guys, we're not just here because we're called to be part of his government, but as, as his government, we're here, we're called to serve. Because what are ministers, right? When we think about your government, think about our government. We're ministers, uh, the, the, the uh, foreign ministers, right? Secretary of, straight, of State, which is like a prime minister. They're called to serve the people. We are those ministers. We are those that are called to serve, to be priests. And that is the exact idea that God is giving us. Be a priest, a royal priesthood, because now we serve Jesus. He came, he died, and he rose again. And now we're his priests, offering up our services first to God and then to people. Amen? Can I get some noise in here? Something, man? Something. I want to take us to Isaiah 61 because this is huge. As we're talking about royal priesthood, as royal priests, guys, he adorns us. He's, he's adorning us with something. We see the Catholic priests, and, and that goes back even to Old Testament priesthood. They were given... Uh, a, uh, a um, uh, you know, a way of dressing. They were given uh, garments, okay? They were given all these different kinds of garments, headdresses and all these things um, that dress them up for a reason. And, and I want to take you guys there really quickly. It's Isaiah 61, verse 10. And I won't even wait for you guys. I'm just going to read it as you go. I think it's up there. They're way ahead of me, Always. Um, it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Let me just stop right there. He arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. We're going to see a couple of things right near as I, as I read these next verses of how God clothes us as we come to him. First, he gives us a robe. You know, I was thinking about robe. I was thinking about the robe that he gives us. Um, and then I'm thinking about, do you guys remember the story of Jacob and Joseph? How Jacob, the father of Joseph, gave him a robe? And it was a robe of many colors. It was a special robe that Jacob held. And he had a bunch of sons, and he gave one of those sons a robe of many colors. It was, a, it was a, a cloak, okay? And it represented somebody that was favored because he favored that son, Joseph. He gave him this robe of righteousness. And in Isaiah 61, he's saying that he gives us a robe. It not only says that, it says, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. So he gives us a headdress. And back then, the priests, they wore, um, what do you call those things? Ah, um, turbans, turbans. 
Back then they wore turbans. And that was the headdress of a priest. And, and the Bible is saying that he gives us the headdress. He adorns us like priests. And then as a bride, he adorns herself with her jewels. Jewels is a very significant word here because the actual translation is keli, kelei, I think. I don't know I said. I don't know if I said that right, but all right, bear with me. Kelei. Um, it means an article that was useful for some kind of work, such as a spoon, such as a musical instrument. So he's giving us these adornments in our body, and one of those things is jewels. And the jewels that the, the bride is sporting are jewels of works of righteousness. Because the, the reason we wear these jewels is because he's given us some, each and every one of us in this place has a jewel, has something that God has given them to use, something that God has given them to offer up. And when we offer up those things, we wear them like jewels, like a necklace, like a, like a bracelet. Jewels that God has given us. It's, it's adorning ourselves with instruments that we use. These are instruments of righteousness. Things that we go out there in the world and God, God has given us a gift to be able to share with somebody else. And it's not until we share that gift, that, that thing that God gave us, that we can wear those jewels around our neck, around our, our arms, our wrists, as jewels of righteousness. So we adorn ourselves with, with uh, God's gifts to use for his glory. They become works of righteousness. Guys, when we function in that, then we can, as a priest, as a bride, as someone that's been called by God, walk around and say, you know what? This is what I'm fighting for, for the people out there that I've been called to serve because God gave me something. And if God gave me something, I can't just keep it here. I can't just hold on to it. He gave it to me for a reason. A priest is someone who serves people. And we have a million stories right now in this church of what's going on with all of us as priests that are serving the Lord. You guys have heard, you guys have heard the story that we talked about here. It's something big that has happened. And it's the story of that, the gentleman that, I, that we've been praying for that I went to see in the hospital. And I'm going to share it again. I'm not going to share the whole thing. I'm just going to say this. This week, I was in a, um, I was in a, a meeting at night. I was doing a financial aid presentation for a bunch of seniors who are going to go to, to college. So I had to go with one of the counselors, and we, pres we presented. And so whatever, it was a boring, you know, financial aid. <laughs> and um, at the end of the meeting, a lady comes up to me, and she goes, hey, do you remember me? One of the mothers. And I said, no, I, I don't. I don't remember you. Sorry. And she goes, Joseph Taylor? Joseph Taylor? Jakea? I'm like, I was still drawing on a blank. She goes, hospital? I'm like, Joseph Taylor? Oh, my God, yes. I hadn't been able to go there for a long time because I had been sick. And I asked her, how is he doing? I, I, you know, I'm meaning to go over there, but I'm sick. I've been sick, and I haven't gone over this cold. Um, and she goes, Listen, I just want to tell you something. I, I just want to say thank you for going there. And I said, what? What are you talking about? I mean, you know, I know that he was, he's been healed and, and he's been doing better, but I'm just like, well, what's going on? And she says, you know, ever since you went over there, he hasn't been the same. I said, well, what do you mean? She, she said, 
all he does now is read his Bible and pray. This... And I'm like, oh my God. You know, to me, that was a bigger testimony than his healing. Because to me, the greatest testimony isn't that, you know, we strive for that here, and we believe that here, and we're, and we're doing that here. People are being healed as we're praying for them. People are, are, are you know, they're just, they're getting better, and, and we're, we're faithfully coming to the Lord and asking for that. And we're believing that. God can do that. But there's no greater miracle that I can hear of than somebody transformed from the inside out. Can you guys say amen to that? Nothing greater than that. We can, you know what? In the Bible says, in the Bible says that I'd rather you come with, with an eye missing if that's causing you to stumble. I'd rather you come without an eye. I'd rather you, God doesn't care how, if we're missing a limb, this is temporary anyways. We have a greater body that we're going to be functioning in when we go to heaven. It's a glorified body. Sometimes we glorify this body too much. Come on. We glorify this body too much. And God's saying, you have no clue the body that I have prepared for you. So what was my function really? Why did I go there? Was it for his healing? Well, maybe. Maybe, maybe we prayed so that that person could get physically healed. I believe it. I believe we walk in faith so that when people, so that when we arrive, that the presence of God is so powerful around us. I mean, listen, the vibe. Forget about it. Paul, Peter, walking around and people being healed because their shadow was healing them? I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Because the presence of God that you guys live in, that we live in, is so powerful that it's affecting people's lives just because we walk into a room. And I don't think my function, the function that I had was necessarily that I would go there and this man would just become physically healed. Because then what happens after that? Is he still going to go to hell? Maybe. But if that man, after he was physically healed, actually pick up, picked up the Bible and started reading it and had this thirst and hunger to know more of God, then praise God, my purpose there was, was actually completed. You know, I'm going to go back there, but now I'm going to go back there praising God because I feel like God did what he needed to do. You know, if, if, if I could have kept going back there and praying for his physical body, but now I'm going to go there to glorify God because of who he is, because he's a new creation. The simple act of faith, of going somewhere, can cause someone to come alive before your eyes. Because you guys are functioning in that presence. Because you're so connected to God that you're moving. And when you're moving in that kind of, in that degree of presence, in that degree of, of faith, which I know you guys are walking in. I know so many of you guys in here. I know leaders. I know we've talked. You guys are believing. There's, there's a, a stirring going on in this place, in this church that's going on, that people are starting to give more because they're believing more. That's all he needed. My function was that I walk in and a thirst comes into him. A hunger overtakes him to know more of God. That's transformation. And you know what? It's, you know, sometimes I, I want to hesitate to say this. Now, I want to hesitate to actually keep talking about this because my mind tells me, man, stop glorifying it. Who are you really glorifying? You know who I'm glorifying? I'm glorifying God. Why? Because I... Am I beating a dead horse? 
Was I beating a dead horse? Keep talking about this. Well, let it go already. Just move on. You know what? Let's move forward in Christ. You know what? I'm going to keep glorifying in what God has done. Because you know what? I needed to beat me, the dead horse. I was that dead horse. I'm beating a dead horse? Yeah, I'm that dead horse that I needed to beat up. You know what I'm beating myself up into? Submission. I'm beating this dead horse into submission. Why? Because I want to believe in God. I was that stiff-necked horse that didn't want to turn their head. I was the one that didn't care about anybody else. I was the one that called people brothers and sisters, but they really weren't mine. But I'm that different person now. I want to believe. I want to be able to turn my head to God this time and not keep my, my neck stiff because I don't want to listen to the truth. God, guys, let's make ourselves malleable to God. I thought I was doing fine. I thought I didn't need any more anything else. I feel like I, I, I just got to know the Lord two years ago. I've been Christian for, since I was a teenager. And most of my, te most of my life, and I'm going to tell this to you right now, this is, this is what it was. But it wasn't until God grabbed me, he says, dude, how much longer are you going to live that life? How happy are you really? How much do you know me really? Let me grab a hold of you. Surrender already. Let me show you what I can actually do through you. And that's what God was calling into me into. I needed a miracle to happen in my own life. We all need it. And guys, I, I, I don't want to stop. I want to I I shout this out. I want to give it to, I want to shout it out to whoever sees me now. Because it's something I've never seen before. I've never seen somebody healed because I prayed for them. How many times in our lives do we live this life that we talk about the miracles of God, but we never see them? We have to know, not just talk about the miracles of God, not just say God is able, God is capable, but how much do we really know if we've never even seen it? Can we walk in the power that actually steps into a world that says, I believe you're going to be healed and they're healed the next day? Can we walk in that power? Do we believe in that power? That's transformational power. You know, we have other, this is not the only story. Some things I wrote here because I wanted to, am I talking too fast, by the way? No. All right. Because if I get excited, you know, I get, I get Hispanic. I got Puerto Rican in me. So I get like, I said, oh, no, man, I got you. Yeah. So, and the Cubans are even worse. You Cubans are even worse. Forget about it. Any Hispanics, I know they're almost 100% Hispanic in here, so whatever. But then. Uh, Jose's niece, Jessica, who just had brain surgery, she's doing well. That was prayer, man. Amen. <laughs> Yesenia's cousin, Josefina. She had a water in her lungs. Listen, I don't want to give credit. Praise God. Praise God because he gave us doctors. Praise God because we have the capacity. If there's anything we're capable of doing, it's only because God allowed it. Come on, let's give glory to God. She had water in her lungs, and now she's doing better. Guys, we can believe for arms to grow out. We believe for cancer to be healed. But if we can't believe that our prayer was good enough for somebody's flu to go away, if you think the flu, we, we would just say, well, the flu went away because it's, you know, it's going to go away after a while. I don't want to believe that. I want to believe that the power of God was so, so powerful that that flu went away because when I prayed to him, he answered. I don't want to, and then, and I don't want to be like, well, the flu's easy. Cancer's hard. Cancer's another story. That's, 
Sometimes we see it like a giant, right? Cancer, whoa. But we have to pray that much harder for cancer. What do you mean? How big is your God? How big is your God? Is he greater than cancer? He, cancer is it's a little ant. All you got to do is... That's God. And you know what? I want to believe for more. There's still prayers. We, we come this morning. We come for... And I, I encourage if you guys want to come in here that something happens here before 10 o'clock amen <laughs> we come together and we we worship and we pray and we have you know prayer petitions up there and we come together as a body to come into the presence of God for the, what God is going to offer us up what, what God is going to give us and what we can offer him today I encourage you guys to be here for that time because I will guarantee you this If you give yourself just a little more to God, you will never believe how much he wants to give you. He's waiting. This is God. He's answering. Come on. Come on. Come on. Are you going to come early? Are you going to be here at 10? Are you going to worship me? Because, dude, there's so much I want to give you right now. We fight for these prayers. These prayers are our, our jewels. That's what we wear. We fight for people. We fight for people who need God. We fight for people who don't know God. You know what my prayer is here for this church? Dude, I want, and, and I, you know what? Take it how you want. But praise God, this is, I want drug addicts to walk in this room, man. I want prostitutes to walk into this room. I want somebody broken to walk into this room. You know why? Because when they're transformed, they're radical. Sometimes when, when we don't come to the Lord, we don't, it's hard for us to come. Because how much have, have you really given? How much has he really done in your life? How much, how lost were you? How empty were you really? How much did you really need? How much did you really need of God? But when somebody has no other way, when somebody has nothing else they can turn to and God touches their life, they don't care how they look. They don't care that they're jumping like crazy and turning and twisting and worshiping God because God has given them such a gift. And I wish that, that that's where we can be when we come here. That God has given us such a gift that we don't have to worry about staying in our seats anymore because we don't care, man. The, the, the verse in Matthew 2 um, that, that Regal opened up with and, and, that, and that this is all based on, all the gifts that were given. Um, Matthew 2, let, let's go there real quick. Matthew 2, and I want to just take you to... to Two verses. It's verse 11. And I don't think I gave them that verse, but I'm going to read it really quickly. Matthew 2, 11, it says this. On coming to the house, they, being the Magi, saw the child. Where am I? I just lost my place. With his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh it says that they brought their treasure to the lord <laughs> they brought they brought tre they brought the treasures the elements that were fit for a king gold frankincense and myrrh but this messes with my head because the treasures that they brought were according to an old covenant you guys understand that the old time, the, back in the day, the old school ways, was that they would bring their gifts to offer up to the Lord. 
And the only thing these Magi knew, because they might not even have known who God was, was to give that, the best they knew how to give. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I call that old temple covenant practices. Old temple. Because I believe God, and, and the Bible share, say it says that we live in a new temple. God gave us this temple. We are the temple of God. So that's old covenant, old temple. But in that time, it was perfect. It was perfect because that's the best they knew how to give. All they knew what, was, what, what, what were the practices back in those days. It was frankincense, gold. That honored God. And I believe it did honor God because it represented something. And that's where here, I'm here standing. You guys are here listening today because these, this is what it represented. But we can't use the same excuse right now. Because we're living in a new temple, a new covenant. So that might have been great for him at that time. The gifts were fit for a king. We needed that. Because now we're going to be speaking about it. Because now God brought a new covenant. The old temple, old covenant practices were a sign. But guys, if we continue to bring him what may have honored him back then, it may have honored him, but it doesn't mean that it honors him now. We can't continue to give God the same covenant if we've come into a new covenant. What is the gift that we're giving him? Is, it, is our frankincense or things that we've given him when we first came to the Lord, are we still giving him that same gift? Are we still giving God the gift that we gave when we first knew him? Or, or are we giving him something else? Are we giving God more than just the first thing we gave him when we came to the Lord? You know, maybe, maybe this is going to affect some of you guys. Uh, I, you know, everybody has the, the, the socks giver in the family. Right, socks. I don't know, so maybe so there's some worse ones. Socks. <laughs> what, are there any worse ones? What? Underwear, underwear, I think, yeah, it's not that bad. But, but you know, underwear, I, I can. The ugly, the ugly sweaters that now we're sporting, you know, as for fun. Well, I don't care. It doesn't bother me when somebody gives me socks if I don't really know them that well, right? Sometimes even family members, it's okay. If you don't, you know, if you don't see that family member very often, they give you socks, you're like, all right, what are socks? I have a massive drawer, listen, my socks. In one of my drawers, it takes, I have to push them. I, have to, I push them to a side so I can fit just like my, my undershirts on the corner. I have tons of socks. I haven't used half of them. I have a package still of socks. But if you're still giving God socks, if you've known somebody, and you can, if, you, if I've gotten to know you and we're like, if... The first year you gave me socks, I'm cool, dude. But if we know each other and 10 years later, I'm still getting socks from you, come on, man. I mean, I love you. I love you, but something else. Right? Una camisa, something. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, but, but some of these people are were apparently part of my blood, right? People that are my family. Even though maybe we're not that close. But think about that. They're your family, but how close are they really? 
They're only, they're only family because of one thing, because of a lineage. But that, does that really make you family? How well do you really know that person? That's why when I've stood up here and we stand up here and we here believe, this is family. You know, let, let me take you to a verse, Matthew 12, 46 through 50. It's Jesus. And he's, uh, he's out, he's speaking. And they, they, they ask him, hey, because his mother and his brothers come around and they're like, hey, his, your mother and your brother, they're asking for you, Jesus. Let me read it. I know you guys have heard this, but I'm going to read it anyway. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And this is what Jesus says. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? What? What? Guys, by all means, we, we know that the Virgin Mary, which was, wasn't a virgin, I mean, she was a virgin when she had him, but she's not a virgin anymore. But Mary, the mother of God, the one, mother that bore Jesus, is a respected and honored woman for the rest of eternity. She's honored. But what is he saying? He's not, he's not neglecting his mom, saying, my mom's nothing. No. But he's saying, who really is my mother and my brothers? Check it. Pointing to his disciples. Check this out. Who is my mother and my brothers? He points to his disciples. He didn't even point to them. He points to his disciples and he says, here are my mother and my brothers. What? For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sisters and my mother. Wow. You can give glory to God for that. Guys, how do we identify, how... How do I, that I identify you as my brother and my sister when I open up the word of God and there's contention? Come on. If I open up the truth of the word of God and that causes contention between us, are, what are we really? Spiritually speaking, I'm, I'm talking here. Eternally, are you my brother, my mother, and my sister if the moment I speak truth, it causes arguments? Or can you listen to that truth and receive it? And can you bless me back with that truth? So who is my mother? Is there a power struggle when I'm opening the word and I'm trying to tell you this is the truth of God? Is there a power struggle? Do we fight about it? Because you're saying, I don't think I agree with that one though. Then where are we really? Guys, if we're coming to the Lord, if we are truly called a family in this place, biologically, spiritually, then we should be blessing each other with the word of God. There shouldn't be contention when we open up the word. Now, sometimes I understand it's hard because we receive a word or, or someone tells us something and it hurts us when, when, we, when we get it. My wife does that all the time. <laughs> you know, I share, she shares something with me. Well, well, baby, Papa, you're not. Oh, tears me up, bro. Wives and husbands, they know how to do it best, right? I, I would expect contention to come from somebody who doesn't believe. That's cool with me. If I share the word of God and you, don't, you say you don't believe, by all means, man, there's, there's, a, there's a discord there. But if you're telling me that you believe in God and I'm opening up this word and sharing it with you, then there should be brotherhood. There should be communion when we share that word. The value of your personal treasure. No one knows your treasure but you. We all have our own little treasures. 
right? I got my treasures. My, my biggest treasure back in the day was racing. Oh, my God. Did I want, not want to give that up? You know, even after my daughter was born, I didn't want to give up racing. Pfft, heck no. I didn't want to give it up. Your personal treasure will represent the kind of covenant relationship you function in. Come on, man. Let me say that again. The value of your personal treasure will represent the kind of covenant relationship that you function in. Are you functioning in a new covenant with God? Or are you still giving him the same old thing? I know it's quiet in here, man. But I want to hear some noise because I know you guys are receiving something right now. I'm excited about... Worship was so amazing. I'm so excited about coming up here and sharing this because every little word in here, the only reason I'm crazy about it right now is because it messed me up. It messed me up when I read it. He, Jesus didn't come to do away with the old covenant. I don't want you to get that idea, that idea, and it says it in the word. He brought a new covenant, but new covenant doesn't necessarily mean completely different. Let's do away with that. Jesus didn't mean when he said, I bring a new covenant, that he was going to destroy everything that represented the old covenant. Because when you look at the two, they're completely parallel. One goes directly into another. But now we're called to something higher. The new covenant that we're living in, guys, is the treasure in our box, is our life. We know that. We've talked about that so many times here. The treasure that we have, the greatest treasure that you have, is your life. The problem is, the problem is, is sometimes... We're still giving him those old religious practices. Sometimes we're still functioning in the old covenant. We function in, in repetition. We function in empty words. You know what we do? We fill these treasure boxes with old small little trinkets, dollar tree, dollar tree trinkets that we offer to the, to the Lord. I don't want to give him little trinkets anymore. I don't want to give him just this and that. I want to function in the, in the new covenant that he's given us. He, he, he gave us the old covenant and now he reminds us. He said, guys, I gave you something that I wanted to show you that you can, sh you can serve me, but you have an old covenant that you can try to follow a bunch of rules or you have this new covenant. You have a new covenant that I gave you that you can actually have a personal, intimate relationship with me. You can go ahead and, and keep you know, following a bunch of rules that I gave you, but you're never gonna fulfill, you're never gonna completely be fulfilled. God came to fulfill us. He said, Now I'm giving you my son, Jesus. My son, I'm done playing seesaw with you. What I want is to give you my son and for you to honor him with all your life. He said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. We struggle with giving him our lives sometimes. Sometimes we might struggle with that. And we fail to see the life that was given to us. Let's think about the treasures that we're giving him, guys. Let's, let's think about the, the, the things that we're offering up to God when we give to him. Um, God's gift to us was, was his life. He gave himself to humanity for salvation. And, and, and he says here in... In, uh, in the Bible that while we were yet still sinners, he came and he died. But why are we talking about his death? Why are we talking about Jesus' death when we're really 
should be celebrating his birth. This is my idea. God didn't say it's finished. God didn't say it's finished when he went to the cross. God said it's finished when he went to the cross. Yeah, that was his last words. And he gave himself completely to us. But I don't believe that what he stated it is finished when he got to the cross. I believe he said it is finished the moment he was conceived. Amen? I believe the moment that God was in eternity at the right hand of the Father, the Father said to Jesus, you know what I'm thinking? And Jesus said, I'm thinking the same thing. The Father was thinking, these people need a Savior. And he said, send me. So he had already determined that he was going to die for us. He didn't determine it when he was living the life. You know, when he came here on earth and he finally said, you know, I got to die for these people. When he was in heaven, before he was even conceived, he said, I'm going to die for these people. I'm going to give my life, whatever the cost, whatever the suffering, whatever I have to go through, I'm going to do it. The moment he said that and he was conceived, he said, it is finished. The promises that God offers us are yes and amen. When he was in heaven, God said, you know what I'm thinking? Jesus said, yes, amen. I'm going to do it. His promises are yes and amen. Guys, you don't, have, you don't think God has seen your long nights? You were by your bed, crying, suffering, going through a hard time. You don't think God sees that? You don't have to wait for an answer. He answered it. God already answered your issue. He said, yes, amen. I came for you so that you may have salvation. I came and died. I didn't say it's finished when I died on that cross. I said it is finished when I came and was conceived. Amen? Can you guys say amen to that? If you're going to give a clap offering to the Lord, I want everybody to like blow it up right now. Like... The presence of God in our lives should be the declaration that he who has begun a good work in you is going to finish it. He is the promise. He began a good work in you. His presence when he was born, his presence when he was conceived, the moment he was conceived, that's his declaration. He was conceived and his declaration was, I began this work and I'm finishing it because I already did. We should rejoice in that. Sleepless nights. Sleepless nights. Have you guys had sleepless nights where you don't know what you're going to do? You're having so many, you know, Maori was saying that he goes to bed and he has, it's, he doesn't know, he just, he has these thoughts that revolve in his head. Dude, I can guarantee you almost 100% of us in here do that. I've done it. I don't do it all the time, but definitely in my mind, my issues, my revolving in my head constantly. Sleepless nights. I want to take you guys somewhere. Mark 10, 46. Come with me. Mark 10, 46 through 52. This is the story of Bartimaeus. I'm going to read it. What did I say? Mark 10, 46? Okay, sorry, I was in Matthew. Mark 10, 46 through 52. 
says, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Then Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called, him to, the, they, they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see you. Oh, come on. I want to see you. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. He followed Jesus. He said, I just want to see you. My God, this man had a thirst for something. And it wasn't just his sight. He didn't say, I want to see. This man didn't say, I want to see. He said, I want to see you. Bartimaeus was the son of a highly prized nobleman. That's what his name actually means. Timaeus. Bar means son of. And may, maybe some of you have learned this. Bar, the, the word, the, the name, part of the word, the name, part of the name, Bartimaeus, Bar, that first part, means son of. Timaeus means son of Timaeus. Timaeus was his, was his father's name. This is the kicker. His father was known to be a highly prized nobleman. That's what, the, that's what the name Timaeus means, highly prized. And he was a nobleman. So Bartimaeus, the blind man, is the son of a highly prized nobleman. But there wasn't any nobility in Bartimaeus. He wasn't highly prized. He was on the side of the road, blind, forgotten. So you're telling me that this man has a name of a highly prized individual, but he's an outcast. Isn't that us sometimes? We have the name of our Father in heaven, but we choose to live outcast. We choose to live begging, blind, and God's waiting for you to say, not let me see. God doesn't want you to say, let me see what I need to do. Let me see what I can do so maybe I can live a better life. God is waiting for you to see. Let me see you. What his father's righteousness, his earthly, physical father's righteousness could not do, Jesus in his appearance did when he healed him. Why? I think this name that he carried, Bartimaeus, was a sign of who he really was. But it wasn't what he thought he was. He thought he carried the name of his father, but he lived not noble and not highly prized. Not until he encountered his real father. When he encountered his real father, he found true nobility. He lived highly prized. God healed him. That's us, guys. Our earthly fathers, our earthly parents, our, our earthly issues 
they can overtake our lives and we can live blind. They can overtake our lives and we can live as if we're not highly prized. But when we find our real name, come on, when we find our real name in Jesus, what's your name? Oof, come on. Jesus didn't ask him what his name was. He, he knew already, but he knew what he needed. Who, who's... <laughs> He, are, you, is, are you highly prized? Are you forgotten? Are you crippled? What's your name? Anybody who know who said that, by the way? What's your name? No, nobody? Come on, dude. No. The Rock. What's your name? WWE, anybody here in wrestling? It doesn't matter what your name is. That's what he said. The Rock said that when he was not be the what's your name? Jesus said, What Jesus didn't ask you, he doesn't care what your name is. His name, before the rock said it, he said it. I'm the rock. Forget the rock. I'm the real rock. I'm the chief cornerstone. I'm the I am. I don't need to know what your name is. You need to know what my name is. What's my name? Let me give you his names. Who said that? Anyone? God said, my name. Why do you need to know my name? My name is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord that my banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. That's just a couple. Do you want to know what his name is? It doesn't matter where you're living. It doesn't matter where you're at. You need to know his name. He has many. Guess what? He has a name for every problem you have. Come on. He has a name for every issue that you encounter. He is the answer to your question. Come on. He is the answer to your question. What's your name? Why do you ask the question? Stop doubting. He has a name for you. Have you taken that name? Oh, come on. He knew you before you needed that. Jesus didn't stop there. You know what else he did to imitate the rock? Forget, no, the rock imitated him because he said it first. After he asked you what's your name and he gave you his names, he goes, my name is Jehovah Nisi. My name is Jehovah Shama. Why? Because I'm going to save the millions. Millions. Come on. That's what he said. That's Jesus. Jesus came to save. Jesus came to give you his name. Can you smell what Jesus is cooking? Forget about it. I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to my nose. I'm like, forget about it. Can you smell what Jesus is brewing? Can you smell what God is brewing? Can you smell? Can you smell it? What is he brewing? What is he brewing? Guys, we had no clue what he was brewing. What is God brewing? What was he brewing before we even knew it? Before the Magi went over there. God was brewing something, man. 
God was brewing something in this world and we had no clue. He was brewing righteousness. Righteousness was about to pop up. He was brewing it. Something was happening. There was a woman that was in birth pains. Something was brewing. God was brewing something. God had something for us and we had no idea. God was brewing righteousness when he came and he was born. He was brewing love that we lacked. In your life, he was brewing something in your life before you even knew it was coming. Isaiah 9-7 said that he was talking about God's reigning over his kingdom, which he established, remember it said, with justice and righteousness. He wasn't talking about some future reign, though. God wasn't saying, I'm going to establish a kingdom and talking about something that was going to happen in the future. I don't believe that. When, when Jesus was saying that he's going to establish his reign, his kingdom, he's saying now, God, don't, don't wait for the kingdom that you're supposed to reign in. The, the, the kingdom you're supposed to be reigning in is the kingdom you're supposed to be reigning in now as it, on earth as it is in heaven. God said, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why are we waiting for our reign in the future when we're supposed to be living that reign right now? That's his righteousness. We're supposed to be living in that righteousness right now. What, what exchange was there really? What, was there really an exchange of righteousness? You know, I know we said, we said gold, and it's a great representation. We talk about gold for gold. God gave us gold for our gold. What? Well, gold? When, when did I shine like gold? Righteousness for righteousness? Frankincense? When we gave him frankincense, it represents righteousness? What righteousness did I have? I think about the word righteousness, and I'm thinking that's not even a real word. Like, that shouldn't be a word that exists until you talk about God righteousness that had no righteousness in me so what did i really exchange what was the gift exchange here i didn't have anything to exchange nothing because i was unrighteousness i was unrighteous so that means that i exchanged my unrighteousness something that i didn't even have for his righteousness so he gave us he, he said forget about your gift i don't need it i don't need it We weren't morally right. That's what righteousness means. Being morally right. That's the definition. Acting in according with a divine or moral law. There was no righteousness there. We, we had none. When he came, he brought righteousness. Come on. When he came, he brought righteousness. How did he do it? He fulfilled righteousness when he came through his obedience to what he was called to do. Can you believe that the Bible says that it pleased God to bruise and crush him? Would it please you to grab your child right now and say, yes, go ahead and do what you want, man. Beat him up. Seriously. Would, would that please you? It says in the Bible that it pleased him. That I can't understand that. I can't understand my daughter being beat up and me saying, yeah, 
That's, man, awesome. Praise God. Hallelujah, I'm so righteous. I'm so righteous because I'm allowing my son to go through this. We don't understand God's righteousness. This is not a, a concept that we can comprehend right now, guys. It can't, we can't fathom feeling good about our son or daughter, daughter being sacrificed or being bruised. That has no logical explanation. There's none. But we are thinking with our own righteousness God's righteousness is that he loved you so much that the only thing he could do is say that he's pleased that if his son had to go through that and his son said I don't care what I have to go through I'll do it he says amen and do it because you know what we love them so much Jesus came in agreement God the father God the son God the Holy Spirit came and they gave themselves he he was born died and resurrected for us. When we speak about his birth, we're not just speaking about his birth. We're speaking about his whole life and, and conquering the way he conquered. He was the best aroma that you can give. You know, we, we offered frankincense as an aroma before to God, but there's no greater aroma. What does it say in the Bible? It says there's no greater love as any man that he would give his life up for his friend. So that means Jesus is calling us friends. Jesus calls us friends. Are we his friend? If he's given us his life and we are his friends, then what are we giving? Are we his friends? You know? I always, you know, there was a childhood friend of mine that I grew up with. And he took off when I was, when we were young in high school. And I always wondered about him. And I used to hang out with him all the time. And I, we used to go out fishing. And, and like, you know, he was like the guy that I always wanted to just be close to and hang out with. And, and then when I didn't see him anymore, I always wondered about him. I'm like, man, what? I always, my whole life, I wondered about him. And then I finally, I'm not into social media, but the only reason I, op I had opened it up, and, and then I closed it, my, my Facebook. And then I opened it back up because I went looking for him. I'm like, oh, I want to see, see if I find him. And I did. I found him. And I sent him a message. I'm like, hey. Lee, his name was Leo. Leo, um, I just want to tell you that, you know, I, I, I saw you and I, I'm just wondering how you're doing. I see that you have a family and I just, I just want to touch base with you. I just want to reunite with you again, just this talk. And then he didn't answer. <laughs> he didn't answer. I'm like, man, it boggles my mind. What is going on? Why isn't this guy responding to me? Did I do something wrong? So I emailed, I emailed, I sent him another message. On Facebook, hey, and then I just was totally like, hey, if I ever did something wrong, I'm, <laughs> I apologize. You know, you were a really good friend to me. And it really kind of hurt me because I cared about this guy. I still, to this day, he hasn't answered me. I'm not, I, don't, I have no idea why he hasn't answered me. But it hurt me. It hurt me because I cared about him. And that's, that's God. God's that friend. He's saying, man, where are you? Dude, I keep reaching out to you. You're praying to me and I'm answering your prayers. I'm giving you peace. I've shown you who I really am. I've, sh I've, I've presented myself so many times, but you haven't answered me back. Why? And he's going crazy, man, just wondering, when are you going to come to me, man? I just want to hook up with you. And that's what God is, God is asking from you. He was the aroma presented to God. He was the righteousness that, that needed to be sacrificed and risen on the third day in victory so that we can live 
under that righteousness. And then now the Bible says in Romans 13, 14, and this, with this I'll close. He was the aroma. He was the frankincense offered. And it says in Romans 13, 14, it says, clothe yourselves with his righteousness. The Bible tells us to clothe ourselves with his righteousness. Guys, some of us stink in here, man. I stink too. But we have to clothe ourselves with his righteousness. The moment we keep living this life and saying, well, I'll get it right sometime. You know, some of this I'm kind of living in right now, but not all of it. And, you know, maybe eventually I'll, I'll, I'll get it right. And God's saying, man, stop trying. Clothe yourselves with my righteousness because when you clothe yourself with that cloak of highly favored, highly prized, when you put, your, when you put that on you, you've put the aroma that I offered to God already. I, now you represent me. You're not blind Bartimaeus anymore, begging. You're not crippled. I have called you highly prized. You have my name. You have my pedigree. You're a royal priesthood. That's the pedigree that you put on when you put on his robe. Dress yourselves. Let's stand. Dress yourselves with the righteousness that God gave when he was born, not just when he, was died, when he died. Let's clothe ourselves with that. I want to just spend some time with some music in the background. I'm going to pray, guys. But if there's an aroma that you've been trying to offer up to God and it just didn't, it didn't seem to measure up. If there's a treasure that you've given to him, but it wasn't, it was just some Dollar Tree treasures. It was just something because you, maybe you felt like you needed to ease. Oh, come on. If you were avoiding giving your true treasure to God, because you wanted to ease your conscience of not being not giving it all I want you guys to pray to God right now you, you know what I'm not going to have an altar call right now I'm going to ask you guys to pray if anybody wants to come for prayer I don't want to stop them right now but right now I want you guys to get intimate with God we have an offering that we have that we can offer our God we have a treasure we have a frankincense don't let that frankincense, don't let that offering be an old covenant, an old temple offering anymore. Don't keep giving them the same thing you gave them. Let your offering be your true treasure. Lord, we want to thank you, Father God, because you were the perfect example of righteousness. We don't have to assume our righteousness is enough Lord we don't have to offer up something that we think is good enough when you've offered it up already I thank you Father God because the moment you came to this earth you proclaimed the words it is finished I thank you Lord because it is through your name when we clothe ourselves with your righteousness and the name of Jesus Christ you answer every question Your name satisfies every issue we've gone through in our lives. You are that perfect person, Lord.
that we require that aroma that is pleasant to our father Lord Jesus let us live let us surrender that treasure to you that one thing that we know that we haven't given let us stop living a lie Lord let us stop living telling ourselves that this is good enough let us lay ourselves down before you Lord let us lay our lives before you and allow you to show us those things that you have prepared for us Father God which eye has not hear and ear has not heard Father God the things that you have prepared for us for those who are called according to your glory let us live in that Lord Jesus